to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. The reading this morning is from 1 Kings chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he went out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the great of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of meal will not be emptied, and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have been so excited. Oh, I'm going to get my stool so y'all can see me. Better. (laughs) But I have been so excited to have an opportunity to preach from the women's lectionary um, by Dr. Will Gaffney. It's a wonderful resource that centers the voices of and the stories of women and girls named and unnamed in the biblical text. But then I read this scripture, and I have to admit that I was a little caught off guard when I read it. The story itself was not one I could ever remember hearing preached. And it's powerful. The themes of crisis, uncertainty, and grief certainly resonate with our experiences today. But what surprised me the most about this text is how annoyed I got with Elijah. As the scripture tells us, there's a famine throughout the land. God commands Elijah to go to Zarephath, where he will meet a widowed woman at the gate who will provide for him. Elijah does as he is told, and there he finds this woman at the gate of the town. She's gathering sticks, and Elijah calls to her to bring some water and bread to him. In just a few verses, we learn that this woman is in crisis, 
She is grieving the death of her spouse, grieving this time of extreme famine in her land, grieving that she can not provide enough to take care of her family, and also grieving that her and her child are close to death. Elijah asks her to bring him bread, and as Cheryl read, she tells him, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a polite way of saying, sir, read the room. I won't have anything for you. I am literally dying here and I am trying to make a miracle out of a handful of flour and a couple of sticks. Hence my annoyance. Elijah's request, given the circumstances, feels exploitative. How could he ask this woman, on the margins of everything, life, survival, society, to give him her last? This woman is not just providing for herself, she's also providing for her dying child as well. And so what reads to some as a triumphant story of faith, at first just looked to me like a story that's way too common in this society. The most oppressed and the most vulnerable get asked to give up everything for people in more privileged positions. I'm reminded of the ways we have asked, demanded, of essential and frontline workers to give more and more and more of themselves to us in this pandemic. So many people out here just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, yet being asked to put their lives and health on the lines to sustain us. In this passage, and I'm just hoping that the narrator is skipping something, but Elijah doesn't even ask how she's doing. He goes straight into telling her what, she, what he needs. Does this sound familiar? This is a woman who is certain that her and her child's death is imminent. I'm sure she does not look like the picture of vigor and health. She is probably painfully gaunt, weak, and exhausted. I found myself wondering if Elijah even saw her, like really regarded her. We don't even get a, my sister, are you okay? And one of the parts of the story that struck me the most is that she seems to be on her mission out of will out of resolve, maybe even ritual, knowing that it may not save her life. Yet she is compelled to take these steps to live with purpose until the very end. She understands that her last ditch effort to feed her child will probably not be enough to save their lives. But she goes out and she gathers anyway. And the text does tell us she's heard a holy voice tell her something. We don't know what. Elijah has heard from God that a widow has been ordered to take care of him, but what has she heard? Has she been told that a foreign man who consorts with ravens will come and provide for her? Has she heard that her efforts will be rewarded? What did God say to her to make her trust this strange foreign man? And here she is, right now, trying to make a miracle out of a handful of flour and a couple of sticks. 
Many biblical commentaries lift this story up as a woman passing a divine test. She is asked to give up the last of her provisions, and her obedience is rewarded with a promise that she will, never, she will not go hungry. But something about that interpretation just didn't sit right with me. Why must this woman, who is desperate, vulnerable, grieving, dying, pass a faith test in order to get enough to live? It feels so much like the narrative in our culture, telling people in peril and in crisis, just work a little harder, just believe more, keep going, just pass one more test, sacrifice a little bit more, and you'll be rewarded with your tiny slice of the American dream. Keep trying to make that dollar out of 15 cents. Maybe you'll get there. But the more I read this text and sat with it, a question came, kept coming up in my spirit. Who is the real prophet here? Who is the powerful agent of God in this story? The widow of Zarephath has very, very, very little, but she still has more than Elijah. In the opening sentence of this passage, we are told that God spoke to her first before she spoke to Elijah, before he spoke to, before God spoke to Elijah. This is remarkable because the cultural context tells us that Elijah's God is not her God. She is a woman who is most likely not an Israelite. She most likely worships Baal. She explicitly says to Elijah, as your God lives, making it clear that Yahweh is not yet her God. But she is open to hearing this new voice, this voice of God, this holy one that she doesn't yet know speaking to her, choosing her. She is open and willing and accepting of this curious God, this possibility, even as she and her child are dying. She acts even when it seems futile, when it makes no practical sense, but she sees some holy sense in her trek to gather sticks. And then she provides for this foreign man, a man who's not her husband, who's not her kin, who's not even her people, a man who could be a predator, who could mean her harm, who could even bring her more shame and damage to her already devastated life. Yet she invites, her in, invites him into her home and feeds him. And there she makes a miracle out of a handful of flour and a couple of sticks. I need to hear that. I need to hear that she is just not some vessel to provide for this man in a more privileged position. I was so grateful that the text revealed that she is a wise and prophetic agent in her own right, listening to a holy one, to the holy one, being transformed spiritually and in the process saving herself and her son. Our sister is a prophet. And I needed that message today because there are so many ways that we see the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. The most vulnerable are being exploited while the more resourced seem to continually get more. Billionaires can take vanity voyages to space 
While so many families, families go without the basic provisions of food, affordable housing, safety, and health care. We have seen these disparities laid bare in so many ways recently. This pandemic has starkly illustrated the persistent and dramatic disparities by race and economic status in this country. There is a saying that when white America catches a cold, black America catches pneumonia. And this has certainly been the case in this pandemic. I just read an article this week that said the life expectancy of black men has dropped three years in the wake of this COVID-19 pandemic. Also, COVID-19 has had a disproportionate impact on Native American and Alaska Native tribes, devastating already communities that are in peril. In almost every category, people of color fare worse. Right now, I'm working on a prayer service for black women who have died in childbirth. Maternal mortality rates continue to climb for women of color. Black women are three times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women. My own sister-in-law, unfortunately, was a story in this statistic. All of these stories and these lives shattered in service to a myth that we don't have enough for everyone. That you have to be the right type of person to be provided for and cared for. So, more than anything, I needed to see that God, our living God, our holy God, speaks to this unnamed woman in scripture. That my God rejects this understanding of faith as a compensation for provision. That divine revelation isn't limited to rulers and religious leaders, to billionaires and business leaders, to politicians and potentates. God speaks to this woman, this woman out here trying to make a miracle out of a handful of flour and a couple of sticks. To our essential humans on the front lines trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents while being ridiculed for needing a living wage. Those folks who are continually making a way out of no way, these people are our prophets. And not only is God speaking to those miracle workers in this text, God showed Elijah that his survival is bound to hers. With our, with our Lady of Zarephath, our patron saint of making miracles out of meager means. Her jar of oil did not empty. Her jug of flour did not decrease. This miracle is attributed to Elijah, but this story clearly shows us that there is no miracle without her. So let us see where God is calling us into one another's stories, to make a way out of no way, to see transformations, to make miracles out of our handfuls and our sticks. Because this story shows us that we cannot do it by ourselves. Our miracle requires connection, community, and trust. The miracle in this text comes from two people from vastly different backgrounds and life experiences listening to God and finding some measure of salvation and safety in one another from two people engaging their holy listening and prophetic imaginations to see beyond a narrative of scarcity that pits them against one another to compete for resources. 
No, they found sustenance and abundance in coming together. This text is a reminder that the miracle workers and the prophets are not always who we think they are. They are us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Zinger, for illuminating this women's scripture for us this morning. Let us continue our time together in prayer. God, you are love. You're the love we aspire to. You are the love that we feel and yours is the love that we long for. Love is from you and through you and is you. You, the giver, the giving, and the gift. What if we could love as you do? What if your love can only be lived out in the relationships within your creation? Today, we focus on and celebrate love in all of its forms. We celebrate love shared between all your people. We give thanks for all the forms of love that exist. May we learn to give our relationships into your hands, O oh God. We give you thanks for the love that exists between parents and children. May that love be strengthened to shape lives and teach trust. We give you thanks for the love that exists between siblings. May it serve to remind us of our equality in your eyes, our creator. We give thanks to you for the love of friends. May it remind us that we have a right and a responsibility to care for one another. We give you thanks for the love of creation. May we see ourselves reflected in it. May we receive with open arms the love shown to us by creatures great and small and the harmony of living systems. We give thanks to you for the love of strangers. May our hearts be moved toward compassion remembering that we are called into relationship with all people. May your love through us fill empty bellies and put roofs over every head. We give thanks to you, God, for love lost and the love of forgiveness. May we be reminded that even when hearts are broken, your love can make us whole. We give thanks to you, God, for romantic love, a gift of joy, and a mysterious connection of bodies and souls, a blessed stirring from deep within. We give thanks for love remembered, that in Jesus Christ, not even death can separate us from your love, O oh God. All love is a gift from you and is you.
and we treasure it and celebrate it in one another. We join together and we pray in relationship this prayer that binds us to one another and binds us to you, our Father and Mother in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The way we show our love in the world is through the gifts that we give to each other. This month, the Change for Change offering goes to Sedepka in Central America. You can go to the giving page on the ndpc.org website in order to give a gift or to make a pledge or to find out other ways to get involved in the ministry of this congregation. We encourage you to do so. Let us close our worship together by being reminded of your love that even when we depart from one another holds us fast. Let us sing, O love that will not let us go.